Our Heavenly Father, I do want to praise you and thank you once again before we begin. Lord, I pray that as we look into Ephesians and look at your word, that you would uh, guide us and direct us into truth. God, I pray that uh, you would uh, bless um, the, the, the word, Lord, as I preach it. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from my thoughts and my opinions, Lord, and let it just be your truth that you would guide us into. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have an urge uh, when we get to uh, Ephesians, I always have this desire to go back and review the whole thing again. I know I can't do that. Um, I know I can't go back and re- just, I mean, it took me this long to get through it. I know I can't go back and review everything again. I think it's just the teacher in me that has that desire to, to go back and I see all the connections from what we've been talking about at the beginning of the book to now and I just see all those things and it just gets me uh, excited thinking about it. Um, I know some of you haven't been here from the beginning of Ephesians as we started this study. And so, you're just going to take my word on some of this stuff. Okay? Uh, you can always go back and listen to these messages. We actually have them all online. You can, you can listen to old messages online. You can uh, ask Ashley. She'll make you a CD of any old message that uh, uh, you've missed. Even from week to week, if you uh, miss a week and you say, Oh, I don't want to miss out on what... What happened last week, you can ask her and she'll, she'll get you a CD, won't you? See how, see how compatible she is? She's just willing to just, to just be helpful. You have such a servant's heart, actually. Um, when we went through Ephesians, one of the things we did right at the beginning is we talked about this big God. And then we talked about all these things that God had done. Right? We just went through all these things. What has what what God done? What did he do? And then one of the neat things about the book of Ephesians is it works into this idea that how does Jesus fit into this picture of what God is doing in saving people, redeeming people, rescuing people. And we learn that we are in Christ. A lot of times when you go to church you hear a lot of, you need to do this, you need to do this, this is an important thing to do, you have to try to make sure you do this. And, and sometimes that's all anybody gets out of it is do, 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 do all these things. You have to do this good stuff. But you have to understand that from Scripture, what we're called to do as Christians is not about making us good people. It's simply saying this, and I'm going to put this sentence up here. Be who you are in Jesus. That's the call. I wish I had time to develop that idea and how we got to that point and, and, and how Paul talks about it, but I don't have time because that's, that's where we've been. But, but the thing is, as we seek to be who we are in Jesus, honestly, that can be a bit of a struggle. And so right at the end of this book of Ephesians, at the end of chapter 6, after Paul has gone through who God is and and what he's done, and how Christ fits into this, and, and our place in this. And, and then the things that we need to do, as it gets practical, telling us what we need to do. After he tells all these things, you need to live this way, and walk this way, and man, that can be overwhelming. And so at the very end, he, he says, you know what, it's, it's a spiritual battle. And, and the icing on the cake of this spiritual battle is the reality that, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, um, if we start with... Uh, uh, verse 12 for just a moment. I'm going to come back to this. I just want to read a, a, a snippet here. We'll come back and actually look through this and I'll put it up here for you. But he says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, 
authorities, cosmic powers, that there's actually a spiritual battle being waged over us doing the things that God wants us to be and who we are in Jesus. That there's actually a, a spiritual situation, that there are spiritual powers that don't want you to live the life that God wants you to live. That they're working against that. So not only do you have to deal with yourself, right, that can be lazy and, 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 and you know, not, not really want to do those things and have a lot of messed up desires and things that you want to do. Not only do you have to deal with all that, but there's actually spiritual powers that are working against you doing what God wants you to do. There's a spiritual battle going on. And so Paul doesn't want us to be unprepared for that. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read 10 through 13. That's what we've been looking at. I just want to read it again. Starting off with verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And so when we talked about that, this is the reality that the strength that you have, is, it doesn't have to be your own strength. It's not. In fact, it shouldn't be in your own strength. And this is such a key feature that we're going to talk about today. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty of what this doing things in God's strength looks like. But the thing I love about it is that that most, most of my life that I've spent trying to live the way God wanted me to live, and I, I wasn't doing it, I was messing up, it was because I was trying to do it in my own strength. And, and let me be real specific about that. I thought the missing ingredient was that I needed more willpower. You see? If I just had more willpower, I could do these things, I could, I could be consistent, I could be stronger. I just need to be stronger about it. But this is such a relief, because this says, you're going to work in God's strength, not, not your power to do it, but in His power. So important. He says, for we, I'm sorry, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And so here we are in the middle of this spiritual battle, and so this has been the theme that we've been looking at. We're in a spiritual war, and we're talking about how do we fight this battle? How are we going to fight this battle? These spiritual forces, if you are here today and your faith is not in Jesus, these spiritual forces are doing everything they can to keep you from putting your faith in Jesus today. Satan can be okay with you popping into church as long as you don't trust Jesus with your life. He can deal with some church attendance from time to time. If you are a child of God, if you have put your faith in Jesus, He's going to do everything He can to keep you unproductive in your spiritual life. He's going to do everything He can to keep you focused on all the things of this world. That those things are really important. And that Jesus is not that important. Some of you today, your spiritual life, you might describe it as a roller coaster. Anybody have a roller coaster spiritual life? Oh man. Now, roller coasters can be fun, can't they? But but if if you're trying to go to the moon, if you're trying to take a trip to the moon, a roller coaster would just be disappointing, wouldn't it? I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not, right? I mean a roller coaster can be fun, but if you're if your sights are set on the moon, a roller coaster is just a big disappointment. 
Some of your spiritual life, you would say, I don't know if I'd describe it that way, but maybe you might describe your, your spiritual life, you'd describe it as a straw hut. Right? You're building it. You're like on Gilligan's Island, right? Getting the bamboo sticks in place and this, the palm leaves, and you're getting it all put together, and, you know, one wind blows through. Or some, you know, knucklehead like Gilligan comes through. Right? I mean, if you ever watched Gilligan's Island, you know what I'm talking about, right? It just, the, their houses are always falling down. And maybe your spiritual life is a bit like that. Okay, I've got to add Bible reading and, and praying, and I've got to do what I'm supposed to do, and I've got to stop sinning here, and you're, you're trying to get it built up. And then maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's hardship. And you can look back over all the the times you've tried to build that spiritual life up and it's just collapsed. And you have this desire to live a, a victorious... I mean, even me saying that word, you, you think, man, I like that word. I like the sound of that word when it comes to my spiritual life. Victorious spiritual life. To walk in the victory of who Christ is. Maybe you've known some people that are just sold out to Jesus and you're like, man, I just... They, they, Things happen, the hardships come, and they're, they're, not, they're, on, they're not living in a straw hut. They're, they're in this like brick mansion. They're able to stand firm no matter what happens. And you're like, man, I, want, I wish I had that. It's, it's not about, you, you've, you've, you've accepted this idea that you know that God's not about making you successful in the sense of like, okay, it's not about this. You, you, you're like, I don't care about this worldly stuff anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. But I want to live for God. I want to live my days out living for God. And it seems like I just can't get my building constructed correctly. I want to tell you today that, that in this passage you just read, there was a word there that should inspire you with hope. That you can live a solid Christian life. Paul said it several times in there. It was as a command, but he, he's not telling us something that, that can't happen. How many times did he say this word, stand? The word stand means to be established. Not like a straw hut. Solid. Firm. Built. Paul tells us several times in this. In, the, in your spiritual battle, stand. And you're going to do what God has you, and you're going to stand. And I want you to stand firm. And so when the evil day comes, you can withstand, right? You can stay standing through that time. God has it for you to live this spiritual life that is, is solid, is rock solid. I want to say that today that maybe the reason why it's been a roller coaster or a, a straw hut spiritual life goes back to that first verse, living in God's strength. Maybe the reason, maybe the way that you, maybe you're like me. Maybe you're thinking to, to get solid, I just need more willpower, I need more strength, or I need more dedication, or, or I need to sleep less <laughs> so I can do more things for God. I, I, I need to, maybe, I wish I was like one of those guys that could just sleep like three hours a night and get up and no problem. You ever heard stories about those presidents that can do that? And you think, man, I wish I could do that. And you're like, I can't, because if I try to do that, I'm the rest of my day, I'm, you know. I mean, it's just not going to happen. That's not good. And God hasn't blessed you with sleeplessness so that you can do all the things He wants you. You're still sleepyhead and you're still saying, but I still want to live a life for God. I want to do these things that God wants me to do. Maybe the reason why is because that, that you failed. It's been a roller coaster. It's been a straw hut. It's because you've been seeking to do it in your 
abilities. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I've heard pastors talk like I'm talking to you right now before. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. But I don't really know what he's talking about. Do this in your own strength as opposed to, what, what do you mean by that? And so what I like, what we're going to do next, is Paul is going to break down. What, what does it mean to, to live in God's strength, to be, do things by his power? What does that actually look like? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. And he does this by giving us, using a, a, a picture of armor. Now, I don't want to dig too deep in this armor and think that the belt has to, because it was a belt and not you know something here, that it means that there, there's some connections we can make. But understand that these are still spiritual things that God has given us that have to do with his strength to live this life and stand, be established. This is what God has given us to do that. And you're not going to see on this list willpower. That's not on the list. To live this spiritual, to stand firm, willpower didn't make it. So we want to take a look at these things. And so let's do that right now. Let's look down at the nitty gritty. Let's read through these verses. The reference is Ephesians chapter 6 verses, uh, oh and I, I didn't get that right. It's verses 14 is where we're going to start. Starts off verse 14, it says this, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, Now, before I read it further, I I, I almost picture Paul. Paul had a lot of encounters with Roman soldiers. Now, there's this passage in Isaiah where it talks about the Lord putting on a belt of righteousness and faithfulness. And there's a couple different places where Isaiah, the prophet, talks about God girding up his armor to go to battle. And so I've always wondered if Paul's sitting there thinking about those places in Isaiah. But then maybe he maybe he was he even sat there and looked at some Roman soldiers that were tough and could, were were strong and were great in battle and just thinking you know the, spiritually that's kind of what we're like but the, the armor that they have well, we've got we've got these things and so I don't know if maybe Paul had this mental picture of a Roman soldier standing there and he's like well truth is kind of like this and faith is kind of like that you know maybe he was going through there. But, but listen to the things he, he mentions here. Uh, verse four, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, he goes on after that, but we're going to stop there for just a minute, looking at just these things. And I want to ask two questions. I want to try to answer these two questions as well. Because we're looking at this. Remember, this is just a metaphor. He's talking about armor, but he's talking about what God has given us to live this spiritual life. And so, I want to ask these two questions. Number one, I want to say, well, how is truth, for example, the first one on the list, how is truth armor? How is that armor? How can truth be useful to us? And number two, because Paul tells us to put on this armor, how can we actually put that on to our lives? How is it armor and how can we put it on? Because it's a metaphor for what we need to be doing. And so what way are we going to treat truth like armor? And so let's take a look at this first thing here, this word truth. A couple possibilities. One possibility that when Paul says, that you have your loins girded about with truth, one possibility is that Paul's talking about truthfulness, like the reality, telling the truth, right? That could be one possibility. 
And some commentaries say that this is what he's talking about, sincerity, truth, reality. Other commentaries say, no, Paul's talking about the truth and who Jesus is. The gospel message, the truth. Uh, some other commentaries, though, do something different. They say it's, it's a little bit of both. The word itself, it doesn't say the truth. And so Paul is clearly referring to reality, truth, what is true. But you can't escape the reality, the big picture, the big truths of who Jesus is. And so it's kind of a, a, a blend of both of those things. We're going to talk about the truth, what is real. We're going to talk about the big truths of who Jesus is, is how that's armor. And I want to do this by giving you a few examples. Truth can be such a valuable, defensive weapon. I think it's a couple examples. How about this one? Um, being a school teacher, I'm going to start with a, a teen, teenager example. Okay? Uh, how often have you, you heard a teenager say, Oh, everybody's going to be looking at me. You ever heard that before? Oh, if I go there, everybody's going to be looking at me. Everybody's going to look at me. It, what's the truth? No, they're not. <laughs> they're all going to be thinking about themselves. Do you see how truth can relieve the, the lie is that everybody's going to be everybody's focused on me like I'm going to be the center of attention right and the the reality is the truth is most likely nobody's going to be looking at you right but the reality is most you know most people are, that's the truth how about this one maybe you've told yourself this lie before nobody will know nobody's going to know. I can do this and nobody will know. Now, some of you just moved awkwardly and uncomfortably. <laughs> that, that's, that's not true, is it? In fact, uh, most of all, number one, you'll know. And if you've ever done something and trying to live with guilt and regret can be such a, such a bad thing, can't it? You'll know. Uh, the truth is, uh, the Bible tells us, be sure your sin will find you out. And regardless of that, a lot of times, things come out, don't they? I could go even bigger truth with that. God knows. He knows everything. See, that, that's a lie. How about this one? Um, I'm going to use it with a, a, a saying. The grass is greener. On the other side of the fence. Who in here knows that's a big fat lie? <laughs> Absolutely. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. We convince ourselves of that. We, 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 think, we think, if I just had this, then I would be, things would be good. If I just could have this. See, it doesn't have to be uh, this or that. I mean, whatever the thing is that you think, if I just had this one thing, then I would be happy. If you want to read an interesting study, look up the, the lives of people who've won the lottery. It's a sad, sad set of stories. Uh, almost all of the cases of people who win big, win the lottery big, almost all of them, their, their, their marriages fall apart, they, they end in despair, many of them end in financial ruin. How many of those people probably thought, if I, man, if I win it big, my life would be peaches? It's, it's a lie. It's a big, fat lie. 
There's a book called The, the Greener Grass Conspiracy I enjoy. Uh, it talks about how in marriage, how often people think, if I just, you know, maybe if I just had this person over here instead of this person I'm stuck with, right? And what a lie that is. How about this lie? I can do it just one more time. That's a big fat lie, isn't it? Just one more time. Just one more time. Yeah, how many just one more times has it been? Many of us know, many of us, I can see by the looks on your face, you're going, there's been a lot of one more times. <laughs> James, I'm not counting. Right? The truth is, that's just an excuse, isn't it? It's not going to be any easier the next time than it is right now to say no to whatever it is. Whether it be an addiction, right? That didn't matter. I can look one more time. I can do this one more time. I can just indulge one more time. It's a lie. You know, the, the thing is, the reason why truth can be so valuable as part of our armor, so to speak, is because Satan's main language is lies. Jesus says that when Satan lies, he's speaking his own language. He's the father of lies. And so truth, just in and of itself, truth can be such a valuable part of our armor that God has given us to stand. But I could go even deeper than that. Let's, let's go to the truth. The, the, I'll start with just the big truths of life. How about this? You will one day, I guarantee it, face death. I guarantee it. Um, with the passing of my wife's uh, uh, grandfather, then uh, her grandmother this last week, I've been rem- reminded of that so much more. Uh, they, they took such, they, they loved their house and they wanted to build a house that was strong and solid. And, but yet, today, there's other people going through his house. I think about that every once in a while with my wallet. Uh, I think, man, you know, I mean, I don't like to let anybody mess with my wallet, right? Any other guys like that? It's my wallet, you know, you don't rifle through my wallet, you know, that's my wallet. And I can remember when uh, my grandfather passed away. And we were at the, uh, the funeral home, and we had his wallet. You remember that? And it just struck me like, man, one day somebody's going to be going through my wallet. I, I, I can tell you right now, I guarantee, I'm more positive that you will face death one day than I am you'll have lunch today. I'm pretty sure you'll have lunch today, but you might not. You might not make it home today. Someday you will face death, but you may, you may not make it home today. You will one day meet your maker, your creator, the one who made you. You'll stand before him one day, and you'll give an account. I guarantee it. The Bible tells us it's destined unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. 
I'm telling you right now, your one and only hope of making it through that is Jesus. He's your only hope. Because we all have the same problem. We're all sinners. And God is a righteous judge. And we have this hope in Jesus. That These are the big truths of life. You will face death. You will meet your maker. And your only hope is Jesus. That can change. See, see how truth like that, if you, if you walk around thinking about those big truths, can you see how that can change how you live and the decisions that you make? See, what if, what if I told you that you would stand before God today? There's some things that you might be tempted to do that you wouldn't if you knew you were going to stand before God today. Well, shouldn't the reality that you will stand before God someday change how you live today? See, these truths can help. Also, the positive sense too, because sometimes we can we can hone in on those that side of things, but 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 then on the other side, sometimes we can feel like, man, God's just out to get me. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. Man, He's just going to get me, and you're just always waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? I've messed up. I just know I've messed up so big, and He's just going to one day. But here's the thing: the truth is that because of Jesus, you are accepted into the family of God and loved like a child. If your faith is in Jesus, you can stand before God with absolute assurance that God's not out to get you. He might discipline you like a child, but He's not out to get you. One of the truths that's changed my life is the truth that God is good. And sometimes when you say that, what's the rest of that sentence? God is good all the time. The Bible teaches that God is good all the time. He is a good God. In the middle of our circumstances, no matter how dire they seem, there is a God that is in control and He's good. When, when you finally grab a hold of that and you just accept that, then it doesn't matter what happens. Suddenly you go, but I know that God's good. I know that whatever this is that's going on right now, God is good. How about this truth? Some of us will hear the... Hear this thing and we'll hear this line and we'll think, this is horrible, this is the worst possible thing. I'll never make it through this. But God is good. And He's good all the time. And if your faith is in Jesus Christ, then you can know, you can know that the Spirit of God is there to empower you, to strengthen you, to get you through what you're going through. Some of you know this truth. God works all things together for good. You ever heard that before? God works everything together for good. It gets confusing sometimes if you don't know the whole picture of what the good is that God is doing. Because sometimes things happen you think, this, this isn't good. I thought God is good and he's working everything for good. Well, this isn't coming out very good. But you have to understand the rest of that passage. God works all things together for good to them that love Him, to them who are called according to His purpose, that they might be transformed into the image of Christ. See, God's good purpose that He's doing is He wants to get you to be the person that you should be, like I said at the beginning, to be who you are in Jesus. He knows the best you that you can be is the you that you can be when you're like Christ. And he's working everything out in your life to, to, to mold you, to make you more like Jesus. That's who you were created to be. 
Now maybe, as I'm talking about this, maybe some of those things that I said, you thought, Ooh, that's, that, that true, that, when I said that thing that was true, maybe the situation that you're in in life right now, maybe it, maybe it impacted that just a little bit. Right? I said this thing that was true, I said this truth, and you went, yeah, that's true. I mean, you could see how that connects specifically with you in your life, right now, today. Do you see how truth can be such a valuable piece of armor in our walk to live the way God wants us to live? One of the lies that I've battled uh, all throughout my life is, is this, this lie that says, this is too much for me. This is too big. God should have picked somebody that was able to handle these kinds of things for this kind of stuff. The Bible says that God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tried or tempted above what we are able to bear. Right? The truth can, can be liberating. I'm too weak to handle this. You have this power of the Spirit of God that raised up Christ from the dead living in you. You're not too weak. Well, you are too weak, but He's not. <laughs> and He's in you, empowering you to do what you need to do. See how the truth can be liberating? And maybe as I'm talking about these things, you're going, yeah, oh yeah, I can see, I can see how I could... The, some of those truths... Could battle some, maybe, maybe there's some lies that you've been believing in your life as you're going through your life. This is too much, or I can't handle this, or whatever the lie might be. And maybe you're sitting there going, Yeah, I, I could see how that could impact. Well, you know what you need? You need more truth, don't you? So, what do we need to do? We need to put on the truth. Isn't that what Paul says to do? Put on the truth. What does it say specifically? This is. Uh, Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Or some versions say, having your loins girt about with truth. For a Roman soldier, uh, they, you know, if you think about biblical times, they wore robes, right? They didn't have blue jeans, and right, they wore robes. And one of the things that they would do as a soldier is they would, they would take those robes and they would tighten, pull them up and tighten around. And the belt wasn't just for decoration. Part of what it did was, make them more mobile and agile, but able to move around and do the things that they needed to do. Truth is so similar to this belt. Even though I don't want to, I don't want to make the connection too strong, there's definitely a reality that we need to wrap truth around our lives, wrap ourselves, weave truth around us, getting rid of all those things in our life that are lies and holding on to what is true. And that truth does exactly what that belt of truth would do for that Roman soldier. It makes them more agile. It pulls, it holds all these other elements together. As a Christian, we want to be all about the truth. And so I want to give you four ways that you can this week begin to wrap truth around your life. To have your loins girt about with truth. I'm going to give you four practical ways that you can do that. One of them, hopefully you're doing right now. Number one, listen to the truth. The big truths. I know too many people, they, 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 the, the, the big things, the weighty big truths, are like they don't want to hear it. Keep it away from me. I don't want to talk about that. Just, let's keep it light. You need to hear the truth sometimes. You need to really hear the big truths of life. You need to hear these things. Listen to the truth. Even the hard truths. There's a story of uh, Jesus when he feeds the 5,000. Have you heard that story before? He feeds 5,000 people and, and uh, 
like the next day he comes back and all those people are back and they, and, and I, I can't blame him. I mean, all the fish and the bread, I'd, I probably would have been back too. More fish and bread today, fish fry, all right. You know, uh, I, I, would, I probably would have been back too. And, and, and so all the people came back, they're wanting more food. And so Jesus starts talking to him about, see, there's something he was more concerned about than them just having their stomachs filled. They had a spiritual issue. And the problem could only be solved by himself, Jesus. And so he tells them, he says, understand, I know that you want bread from heaven like manna, like your forefathers, but here's the thing. I am the bread of life, is what he says. And then he, then he starts to sound a little crazy. He says, you've you got to eat of me. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll never have eternal life. And so the people are going, all right. <laughs> Now obviously he wasn't talking about, come over here and take a bite of my arm. He's saying, what you need to consume in your life, I mean, this, this food here will never satisfy you permanently. You need to be satisfied with Christ. With Him. And He knows that. So you need to eat. And it, it, when, he ta- when He says this, it says, the people left. This is, a, this is a hard truth to hear. This is a hard truth to hear. We don't want to hear that hard truth. We came for a fish fry. And Jesus turned to his disciples, and his twelve, and he says, you're going to leave too? And they said this, where would we go? You have the words of life. You need to listen to the truth. Listen to it. Hear it. Find ways to hear it through your week. I mean, you're doing a great thing today. Hopefully today, you're hearing truth. If I'm not preaching the word of God, you need to go somewhere else. If I'm not sharing God's truth, you need to go somewhere else. If I'm not sharing the truth, you need to go somewhere else. You need to find a place that is telling you the truth from the Word of God. The big truths. And talking about the truth and the hard truths and the real truths of life. Listen to the truth. But don't leave it there. Next, you need to speak the truth. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I think this is important, why I believe this is important. One is because God tells us to do this. And this should be the reason enough, all, in, all on its own. Our, our scripture memory passage, uh, on Wednesday nights, we've been, I've been trying to encourage everybody to memorize some scripture. And the one from the last time came from Deuteronomy. And it's where uh, God says, Hear, O Israel, He says, For the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? This is called the Shema. Hear, listen up. See, there's the listen. Hear. Okay? And then he goes on, he talks about the commands. He said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then he says, these commands, this is from God. In other words, this is the real truth. But then he turns around and he says, now this is what you need to do next. Teach it to your children diligently. And then he says this, talk about it when you're walking by the way. And when you rise up, and when you lie down. In other words, talk about it all the time. These kind of truths, you hear it, but then talk about it. What did you think about that? What did you think? Did I understand this right? The conversation needs to be stirred up to talk about these big truths. Be the kind of person that's going to talk about the big truths of life, not the little things of life that don't matter, but the big truths. Let your conversation be about those things. Let me give you a third thing here. Try to find a way to condense this, but I couldn't. Make friends with those that will tell you the truth. 
We all have friends that are going to tell us what we want to hear. They're not really friends, are they? You need friends that are going to tell you the truth. I always think about the, uh, the, the, the emperor's new clothes. You know that story, that children's story? The emperor gets the new clothes and he's being swindled. They're, you can't see him. There's not really clothes there, right? And finally somebody has the guts to say, you don't have any clothes on. You need people in your life that are going to tell you the truth. Make Find people in your life. Find, make friends with people that are going to tell you the truth. They're not going to lie to you. They're not just going to tell you what you want to hear. They're not just going to build you up. This is so, so important. Going through a hard time, you, you have some friends you can go to and they're going to be like, yeah, that's, that's terrible. We need to get them. We need to let's saddle up. Let's go take care of this problem. No. Your friends are going to say, God is good. You can trust him through this too. The the Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So you don't have to try to solve all the problem. You can let God handle it. Trust him. That's the kind of friends you need. They're going to tell you the truth. It may not be what you want to hear. You want somebody who's going to say, yeah, let's take care of the... You need to find the kind of friends who are going to tell you the truth. And point you back to the big truths of who God is. Which leads me, if we take all those things together, it leads me to this, this final thing. Uh, the, 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 word, the, the Greek word for church is a word that means called out. There, there are people that are called out. And, and the, the, it came to refer to gatherings of people and groups of people that are together. And, and this community, this idea of community, of church, is all tied into this together. And so I'm going to give you this last thing here. Become a community of truth. This is something that... you. you it's not a by yourself kind of thing. Christianity is not a, uh, a you know a solo endeavor. It's meant to be a team sport. That all throughout Scripture you see over and over again that God equips some people to better and, and and grow His church, His group of believers. That this is a group thing. We have a great opportunity right now, Edgewood. We have a great opportunity right now to, from the ground up, build. A community of truth that's founded on truth. I mean, just just imagine with me for a minute what what kind of church that would be like. A church that you can come here and not, you can you can hear truth. You're going to hear uh, hopefully a pastor. Hopefully, I'm, I'm not going to just come here and have a flowery make you feel good for the week message. I'm going to try to tell you what's true. Hopefully, this is a, a community where then you can. Be truthful with others. Maybe you're saying, I don't want that. I don't want to... <laughs> I want to go somewhere where I can feel good for the week. No. We have an opportunity to, from the ground up start working on making a church the way God would want us to. A church that's founded in truth. Imagine a church that, that you can be then honest about where you're at and your struggles. Without fear of Judgment, criticism, but, but but also there's the other side of it because see Jesus says judge not and everybody knows that one but then there's other places where Jesus says judge with right judgment. You see the balance there. A, a community that where you're you're in this community of believers that are following after Jesus that you're saying I want to hear truth I want good judgment in my life. 
That if you see me going down the wrong path, you'll say, you're going down the wrong path. I, I need to be around people that are like that, that are going to point me back to the truth. Imagine a community that's like that, a community of believers that are tied together by the truth of who God is and, and, and help each other and point each other in that direction. We have an opportunity to, to work on that, to be that kind of church. I mean, how often do you get a church that's bright and small group of people that's, that's, that's starting to blossom a little bit to, from the ground up as everybody that comes in, hey, we're going to be that kind of church that's going to be open and honest with, with each other. Now, we're going to mess up. Right? We're going to mess up. But we can be honest about it and say, I messed up. Right? Community of truth. The church. Inviting good judgment into our lives. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive? I mean, that's, I think that's a very, you know, Shakespearean way of saying it. But, uh, there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? If you've been caught up in lies and you're caught up in deception, you can see that. But there's great liberty and great freedom to move. Just like that, that belt would, would hoist up the garments, get them tied around the legs tight so that you can, so a soldier can move. Just like that, truth makes you more mobile, agile in this life. And we have an opportunity to begin infusing truth, wrapping truth, around us together. And I hope that you do that. I hope we as a church focus on that, to build a community of truth. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I I do want to pray that you would help us to, to find truth, guide us into truth. Lord, I know for myself, I know that as people, we, we can easily be tricked and deceived and, and, and just focused on the wrong things. I, I don't know how many times, even in my own life, I've been focused on the stuff that just doesn't matter. But God, we believe that you can guide us into truth, into all truth. Lord, I pray that you would, you would begin to build a community that is based on truth here. Lord, as people come to Edgewood, Lord, that we would be your kind of church that is seeking after you and seeking after the truth that can be found in you. Help us to understand continually better as we go through this week how truth can be a valuable part of our armor. To, 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 to stand. To be established. To live that, that victorious Christian life that we desire to live. Lord, we're wanting that and we're saying, Lord, we want to live the way you want us to live. And Lord, help us to see that truth is an essential part that ties it all together for us to live the way you'd want us to live. Help us, Lord, not to miss that. Guide us into truth. Lord, I pray that you'd be with those in this room today that maybe they've been, they've been living a lie. God, I pray that you'd bring them freedom as they turn to Jesus, who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray that you'd bring liberty and freedom to live the way you'd want us to live, to be who we are in Jesus And help us to use the tools that you've given us to live that life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.